Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? Now, do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Blit, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. And the truth shall set you free. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. We offer you a bond, a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. I don't do drugs. Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Who um, was coming of age at the time that Andre the Giant was rising to his position of fame. Yeah, I vividly remember losing my little mind over WrestleMania 3. Like the idea that they were going to be in the Silver Dome in this giant arena with my hero, with the Hulkster going up against Andre the Giant. I could not bear the suspense. Man, this makes you the perfect candidate to talk critically about Andre the Giant, the 2018 documentary that is currently on HBO. Well, to do so, I would have to do so objectively, right? Like that's going to be hard to do, given that it was kind of woven into the fabric of my childhood. Nothing's objective. I want you to bring us back to the world of WrestleMania three. My memories of Andre the Giant as a kid were tied to kind of this one specific moment in time. I was all of 11 years old, which I guess is the perfect age for wrestling to make sense and to be valid and emotionally compelling. Yeah, dude. I don't, I don't, I can't imagine that dad sprung for the pay-per-view, but somehow or other, without YouTube, the benefit of YouTube, I saw WrestleMania and it blew my little 11-year-old mind through the top of my head. We actually went to a wrestling match, so dad may not have sprung for pay-per-view, but dad at one point did spring for us to go to a WWE wrestling match. Was that before or after WrestleMania? I think that was after WrestleMania um, because you would have needed to be have been of an appreciable age. And that was in 1987. I was 11. You would have been what? Seven. Seven yeah. at the most. So I didn't know anything about Andre the Giant behind the scenes. He was just larger than life figure in wrestling, a public figure. I always thought it was a little bit strange that the heel, the bad guy in wrestling, would be the good guy in in The Princess Bride. He's a good guy, but he's amongst the band of bad guys. The point is he's there as sort of a lovable giant character, you know, in a movie where he was supposed to be the pinnacle of evil at the time in the WWF, at least from what I remember. So 
I've been thinking a lot about a lot about it, and I will concede that the if you don't have a basis for Andre the Giant as a person, if he didn't you know loom large in your life as a child, then yes, definitely not the same impact. But the way this movie was arced, you have to acknowledge the importance of Andre the Giant as a wrestling figure, and particularly how he came to prominence in sort of the formative years and arguably the best years of the WWF and what would eventually become the WWE. Obviously, once I got a little bit older than 11, I got shot down by uh, the kids in the neighborhood who made fun of me and told me that wrestling was absolutely fake and I was heartbroken and I had to go. So it was Santa Claus, it was the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, and then wrestling. Uh, I had to endure all those traumas. (sighs) Mom and Dad didn't work too hard to perpetuate those myths for us, by the way. So I felt like Andre the Giant started out as a pretty basic documentary. Right. I was born. I grew up David Copperfield sense. And we kind of got a glimpse of this larger than life figure as a skinny kid with a big forehead chopping down trees in France in a small village outside of Paris, which they trumped up to be the French Alps. Like he's a, a beast wandering the forest or something. Right. And uh, and they spent a good bit of the early part of the movie sort of building the legend. Yeah. Basic, straightforward storytelling but probably revelatory to you. Like, you didn't know that stuff, right? That's correct. I didn't know that stuff, and it was interesting on a basic level. I wouldn't say that it was highbrow cinema or that it was uh, composed in a way that it was so emotionally affecting that I I was moved to tears, I guess, like because uh, my wrestling fanaticism also died out right around the time that Andre passed away. Uh, I didn't... I wasn't there for the era of The Rock and any of the 90s wrestling stuff. I stopped caring. But this guy, I did. it was interesting to learn about him. And honestly, there wasn't a tremendous amount to learn about him aside from his incredible stature and how imposing he was and how that affected him personally and emotionally and how he affected other people. He did seem to make an impression on a lot of people's lives, and he did on me and I think the arc, the dramatic arc, does exist in this movie. You just have to know sort of where to look. Kelly had asked me, so who was, was Andre the Giant the most famous wrestler? And certainly at one point he was. And then, of course, Hulk Hogan came about in a big way as Andre's successor, direct successor. And then people like uh, Steve Austin or whatever, and certainly The Rock are more well, The Rock is more well known now. But Andre was the highest paid wrestler at the time. And he was sort of the face of, like you said, the early WWE, WWF. And so I think that when he kind of ran the game and going into WrestleMania 3, nobody, including the boss, including Vince McMahon, had any clue what he was going to do. Hulk Hogan wasn't sure what was going to happen when they went live in front of like 90,000 people. That was pretty nuts to realize that Hulk Hogan did choreograph the majority of the match, but left the ending sequence open in deference to Andre the Giant, who was the boss. Yes. Everybody said that if you, if Andre didn't want you to do something to him in the ring, you weren't going to do it. And so the idea that they had built up the sort of legend around him, how he was, by all accounts, a nice guy and a, a gentle soul, a gentle giant, and yet would yell at people, get out of the dressing room and, and shine people on and not tell people what was going to happen in their major televised worldwide wrestling match with him. They also <laughs> built up his drinking and his 
physical ailments. And we got the sense by the time he stepped into the ring that that guy really shouldn't be there. Yeah, that was so sad. It wasn't until that moment that Hulk Hogan knew that he was going to come to prominence as the central figure, the face of the WWF. And Andre said that it was this time that he had chosen for him to be defeated, to be put down by the new hero. Uh, It's a transfer of power. And that was kind of his contribution, his sacrifice, because it was said that he could make or break careers, literally. And he sort of enabled Hulk Hogan to take the reins and kind of step down, as it were, as the central figure. He allowed himself to be body slammed and and pinned when he was already in poor health for the sake of Hulk Hogan, for the sake of the WWF. And he played ball for the cameras. Yeah, It reminded me of the documentary When We Were Kings, the Muhammad Ali documentary, uh, won the Academy Award for Best Documentary about the rumble in the jungle and his fight against George Foreman. Hmm. It wasn't dissimilar in the idea that it was this sort of David and Goliath story and granted Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant were friends, but still no one was really sure what was going to happen in this game-changing match and live in front of millions of fans around the world. Only we know that it was fake. But still, Andre was in such control that if he didn't want to concede to Hulk Hogan and kind of make him the champion that he ended up being, he wasn't going to do that. And nobody was going to make him do it. And so I felt like that added a dramatic arc to this movie that I wasn't expecting. It was a sacrifice, but only in the sense that his, it was his choice. They were In deference to him, they allowed him to make the choice all the way up to Vince McMahon. Hulk Hogan was set up as the new good guy Andre the Giant teamed up with the most hated, what was it, manager? Bobby the Brain Heenan was a manager. Yep. He had the choice, but really, did he have the choice? Like, really, could he have chosen that moment to win? I mean, I guess he could have, but he would have been booed out of the arena. It's cool to think that nobody in the world knew other than Andre the Giant. And maybe Andre the Giant didn't even know until game time. But as much of a choice as the filmmakers led us to believe he had... I don't know that him winning was really a viable option. I guess the the heroism is that he realized in his own way that his time had come, that his body was failing with him, and it was time to pass on the torch. And so he did what he needed to do, and he did it, and they let him do it with dignity, and he did it with humility. Yeah, they did mention the fact that afterwards... Once he had turned heel and he was a bad guy pretty much to the end of his career, I don't remember any redemption for him within the organization. And, you know, it was mentioned that he may have held it kind of against Vince McMahon, the frustration of not being regarded as the hero anymore, where he was, you know, they were throwing stuff at him as he was leaving the the ring in WrestleMania three. And if he finished his career with people sort of loathing him when he was already a figure who could never maintain any kind of privacy, and that must have been super hard hard. Right. So wrestling is a unique form of entertainment in that they are proposing that they are their characters in real life. We're led to believe that that this is genuine sport, which it is to a certain extent, but there's the artifice, there's the entertainment. But um, I think it was extra hard for Andre the Giant, who had no disguise 
And so people probably took him to really be the true bad guy. Yeah, it must have been really hard. Maybe Hulk Hogan it couldn't be much different. I mean, the guy, as far as I know, kind of like Dad, never lost that mustache, right? Consistently <laughs> rocks the stash across the decades. And he's also a big guy, 6'8", six, 6'7", six, and can't really hide, you know? So fine, you can be on, on deck with all that stuff until you're the bad guy. You know, Hulk Hogan himself was a bad guy uh, for a, a good long while when really? he was Hollywood Hogan. Oh, this yeah. was way after, way after the fact. But he was definitely a bad guy for a while. It all comes around, but maybe not for Andre the Giant, who I think kind of died the heel. But maybe I'm sort of reacting to the fact that the Andre the Giant documentary sort of took a turn and became about Hulk Hogan for an awfully long time. And I was like, what's happening here? Like, I get it that we're building up the match, but Hulk Hogan has kind of taken center stage in the Andre the Giant documentary. And it all kind of culminated in Andre's concession of power to him in WrestleMania 3, effectively passing the torch. It was a critical moment, I think, in Andre the Giant's life where he, even though he was in pain and didn't really have to do anything that he didn't want to do, still made a considerable sacrifice to be slammed on camera uh, for the wrestling that apparently he loved and lived for, you know, post a couple months or whatever, post major back surgery, when he already wasn't well enough so that Hulk Hogan had to stand upright so that Andre wouldn't have to bend down too far when he did the when they did the bear hug. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, that was gnarly and the and the footage really supported Hulk Hogan's story, you know, his version of that match. Like you yeah. could see or maybe I mean it seemed like you could see the pain that Andre the Giant was in. It also added this element of farce to, to it when like yeah. you see Hulk Hogan like twitching in pain, like he's being suffocated in the bear hug when you know how fake it is. And you know everybody's going crazy about it. Myself included, my little 11-year-old self, absolutely. So I thought that this documentary was totally going off the rails at that point. I was like, you guys have lost the thread. It, it became about something completely different. And then they kind of brought it in back in a way that I appreciated and was able to sort of draw the correlation that this was kind of a behind-the-scenes look at one of the most pivotal moments in sports and entertainment. Um it wasn't that different from the sort of farce of a little guy, uh, Muhammad Ali, going up against the monster, the giant, the, the unstoppable guy that was George Foreman, where at the time nobody gave um, Ali odds worth a damn. Uh, when we were kings. But Andre the Giant, while it didn't match up to that in all respects, uh, definitely was enough for me to to appreciate what it was. Uh, I thought that his subsequent death, which we didn't have a lot of information, we kind of saw only the snapshots of his remaining wrestling life, and then maybe one or two pictures of him with sort of his hollow eyes that his handlers had talked about later on, his mm -hmm. caretakers of, of his house. Yeah. But really, we didn't see him in his later years of decline. It was sort of told with that uh, shot of the empty hotel room in France right. and his home and, and uh, through the, the, you know, the words of the people who knew him best, his manager or his traveling companion and his friends in on his ranch in North Carolina. Kind of a sad coda. And we didn't get a lot from that 
it just was sort of the echo of this tremendous wrestling career, which for better or worse, I completely believed in. They sold it to me and I bought it hook, line and sinker. And so it was very real and important to me at the time. He was a real and important figure in a way that I'm glad this documentary can at least do some justice in uh, kind of pulling back the curtain and seeing the man that apparently he didn't want too many people really to see, you know, his only real sort of release was to be on his own on his farm where nobody gave him a second look right where he could go to the store and not have to be hounded by fans or or people deriding him or making fun of him it's interesting that you bring up his death and how maybe kind of understated it is i kind of felt like andre the giant passing the torch to hulk hogan at wrestlemania 3 a little bit foreshadowed his death and the way that he was going to go about it so we've learned in the documentary that he became aware of his giantism. What was it called? Acromegaly. And that he chooses to do nothing about it. In addition to that, we were also told that he chose to use, quote, what God had given him and become somebody in wrestling, presumably in wrestling. It seemed like Andre the Giant accepted that his time was coming to an end and kind of resigned himself to the farm or just like returned to the farm to kind of live simply. Maybe he understood something that nobody else understood and went home to see his family and died where he was born. Yeah, I think his fatalism uh, was firmly in place as a result of that diagnosis where a doctor told him he wasn't going to make it to 40. He ultimately made it to 46. But to kind of add to what you're saying... He, by all accounts, had always wanted, once he kind of got the idea to be a wrestler, that's what he wanted to do. And he sought it out and uh, learned, you know, the trade and kind of rose through the ranks until he became the face of the WWF. But he, he kind of took what the hand he was dealt and he parlayed it into success and adoration from people around the world. And by all accounts, really loved to wrestle until physically he couldn't do it anymore. So he balanced his enjoyment of his craft with his pain and his ability to continue it. And so in what you're saying, once he sort of deferred or transferred that power to Hulk Hogan, then he was sort of allowing the great joy of his to slip away. The adoration that came about as a result of his physical differences were now gone because him being the giant, he was the heel. He was vilified by his portrayal. Once he gave up wrestling and the thing that he loved more than anything, the thing where his physical stature was an asset and his defining characteristic, once he gave up the adoration and attention that came with it, and once it was all negative, that might may have been him resigning himself to, you know, his life coming to a close. Right. I mean, doesn't it seem oddly coincidental that he returned to France to see his family and to die there? No, absolutely it does. And I don't know that maybe that's the way that it should have been, but definitely there is a finality to returning to France to, uh, at the time he was, you know, there for the death of his father, whose death preceded his only by a little while. I mean, because I think he went to his death willingly, I think he orchestrated his sort of removal from society. Yeah. Well, I think I do think there was a certain level of acceptance about it. 
that he would succumb to this condition. You know, I, I didn't know that in giantism, you never stop growing. Your muscle in your body continues to grow, but your organs don't. And it's just a matter of time before they like can't keep up with your mass or whatever. So it's, it's a touching story. And I learned so much about the advent of wrestling, you know, and how it became the form of <laughs> entertainment that it is today. But it is so weird to take men in singlets and in underwear seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you kind of, I don't really think twice, like when I'm looking at the archival footage, but it's kind of ridiculous that Hulk Hogan is running around in yellow panties with a rippable shirt or whatever that is. Yeah, that was his gimmick. Believe me, there are far sillier ones. Um, so this documentary was, uh, I actually watched, because I was, we're, we're reviewing this documentary because I was fascinated by it. I had wanted to see it, but I don't think it got a theatrical release. There was a movie on Netflix. It was called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, about Jake the Snake Roberts, who has spoken about Andre the Giant multiple times, but who didn't appear in this movie. He corroborates some of the stories about uh Andre's uh, drinking, his alcohol tolerance, and uh, tells a story that I heard a number of times from other people about Andre uh, following someone out to their car after they threw an empty beer can at him and overturning their Volkswagen Beetle with four people inside. What? That may have been tall tales, but Andre, the good-natured, gentle giant, also definitely had, he would put on a show of force in in order to to put someone in their place or to, to teach them a lesson. But that was a movie that was smaller in scale about sort of the broken down na- nature of a, of a wrestler and uh, how he sort of er, all the sacrifices and all the physical pain that they put themselves through in the course of their career catch up with them after the fact. When your body breaks down, painkillers come into effect, you get addicted, uh, the fame goes away and the money was never that great to begin with. And what do you have left? This is a fate that Andre the Giant never had to suffer, but it's kind of the fate of wrestlers. Did you see The Wrestler, the movie with uh, Mickey Rourke about 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in this way, it wasn't all that different in that he had no business. Randy the Ram had no business getting back into the ring any more maybe than Andre the Giant had in going up against Hulk Hogan in one of the hugest wrestling matches uh, of the modern era. And uh, in doing so, there was definitely a sacrifice for the sake of entertainment. So maybe that was Andre's sort of only maybe his public persona kind of what is what defined him, you know, by all accounts, a very difficult life filled with challenges on a day-to-day basis. Being seven feet tall on its own is a challenge, you know, where you have you have to choose your, your car and your bed carefully. But on top of that, weighing in excess of 500 pounds at any given moment, just every day, you know, you have to add an additional layer of complication to your life. Oh, my God. When they talked about how on the plane he, they had to draw curtains so that he could piss in a bucket, I was like, it was simultaneously, like, hilarious and heartbreaking. Yep. I also heard from Jake Roberts on the uh, the podcast with um, Joe Rogan that no toilet, what he could, he couldn't trust a toilet in the the hotels of, in any one of the three hundred nights a year he spent on the road. So he would just have to crap in the bathtub Shut and wash up. it down. What? Yeah, I'm not kidding. So that's what it is to be Andre the Giant, and this documentary was 
it, it did take a turn that I appreciated because I, I, I was expecting it to just sort of be straightforward recounting of his life with some people who knew and loved him. Uh, there were some surprises. So I, I don't know. I appreciated it for what it was. Yeah, I think that they attempted to, you know, stud this thing with stars. Like, yeah, I, I guess like Carrie Elwes' appearance was like, I don't know if that was really necessary. I mean, at least Robin Wright made the point that Andre the Giant couldn't handle her weight, which she was probably like a bug five. Right. And, and even so, he wasn't able to uh, cradle her as the princess and the princess bride. Like, okay, so she kind of had a point, but Carrie Elways and like Billy Crystal, like, yeah, were they really necessary? Yeah. Well, maybe that, you know, the the idea that pe these people came out of the woodwork as a testimonial to Andre, because by all accounts, he really was a nice guy, a really caring person, Andre the Giant. And uh, and so people turned out because they wanted people to know. Hmm. So I feel like you have gone through some trouble to justify why you think Andre the Giant, the documentary, is for more than just wrestling fans. Would you agree? Yes. When we choose these movies, um, I try to do a little bit of research on them, find out some ancillary material uh, to substantiate our review. And I got to say, nobody is talking about the Andre the Giant documentary. It came out about two years ago in 2018, only on HBO. But still, I was drawn to it and fascinated by it because I said, I wonder, I honestly don't know anything about this man privately. And uh, he's a fascinating figure. But does this justify a review? A question that I asked you directly in preparation for this review. I do know that this is the second documentary that we've reviewed in recent weeks, helmed by a man who was born less than six months uh, apart from myself. But it seemed like it was a story worth seeing, worth watching and learning about. And uh, I think that I was happy with the result. And one could argue that WWF couldn't have risen to its prominence without Andre the Giant. Like they were so symbiotic in their arrival that I think it it makes this story, this documentary more than just about a man. Like sports is the field on which the greatest human dramas play out. And I think that, yeah, even for a non-wrestling fan, this documentary still has something to say. So not a totally rating for me, definitely an all right rating. Uh, it's not necessary, it's not essential. But it was a worthwhile view for a fascinating character that we're never going to have anyone like him again. I admit that I'm influenced by my childhood, our childhood. I mean, really, you were the wrestling fanatic, and I just kind of went along with it and seemed to really remember loving running around the wrestling ring with you. But I think that this is a good movie. Oh, look at that. So good suggestion, Wes. Were you a wrestler yourself? Yes. I was a wrestler for an entire semester in high school. Semesters are not like quarters. That's basically half the school year. So I was a, a serious wrestler for all of three days until they closed the doors and turned the heat, out, heat up to sweat down the weight. And then I huddled in the corner and feigned a headache for the remainder of the semester. I also got put on my face and uh, had a kind of a claustrophobic attack and couldn't hang. Uh, Thomas Hindman, if you're out there, you really hurt me. And I gave up wrestling after that. So Thomas, what's your face? Shame on you. Yeah, because now in my mid-40s, no one's going to hurt me again. If I ever get into a fight, I'm going to consider it a life-threatening situation, and I'm going to gouge your eyes out, <laughs> and I'm going to pull hair. Did you wear a singlet? No. 
I wore sweats. But I also vividly remember going to karate for uh, parks and park and rec or whatever. And mom, they insisted that I get the proper gear. And then we had to go to the sporting goods store because they told me that if I was going to persist in my karate training, I would need a cup. So mom went to the sales clerk and said, we need the the small one, the smallest cup that you have. (laughs) I was never cut out for sports, so I will live vicariously through Andre and others. On that note, that's our review of Andre the Giant. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a Patreon patron. We appreciate your support and uh, always want to hear from you. So please give us a call. 818-835-0473. Email us at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time. Hey, guys. It's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, all in the Spanish remixes out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.